0: Welcome to Kalos Church. Really, really pleased to see you all this morning worshiping Jesus together. And uh, I just love that this is our fourth Sunday together. We're a work in progress. So many miracles have brought us to this point. You guys are amazing people. Amazing people gathered here. And uh, we're passionate about community. So at this time, you know, before I get into my message, what I want you to do is uh, find, like, you know, three to 12 people. And just give them a big hug or a handshake or a high five. Ask them their name. Ask someone out to coffee. If you're single, ask someone out on a date. Let's be the church in this place. Let's let love rise, amen? So meet a few people and get to know them. Let's be a community this morning. Exactly. Morning. Morning. Morning, Jason. Hi, Jason. Nice to see you. Hey, yeah, um, welcome. How I, mean, I, I, I just turned it on. <laughs> welcome. Would you like to go out to dinner? <laughs> we'll go Dutch. We'll go halfies. Awesome. Again, welcome to Kalos Church. If you could make it back to your seats. And we have a continuation of our series, a message series called Beauty Will Save the World talking about how Jesus is beautiful, the gospel is beautiful. Last week we touched on the the beauty of the cross, and today I'm excited to continue this series and talking about the beautiful church, the beautiful church. And I want to read a scripture this morning from Acts 20, 28, followed by Hebrews 10, 25. And this is what the scripture says. So guard yourselves and God's people, Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawn near. Did you know that Jesus loves the church? In fact, in this scripture in Acts, it says that Jesus purchased the church with his blood he died on the cross not just for individuals but he bought the church a community of people who would live out the mission of god on the earth jesus loves the church and if we want to love what jesus loves we will be a people who love the church unfortunately many of us when we think of the church we think I don't love the church. In fact, many of us in our hearts would say, "I love God. I'm cool with Jesus, but I am uh, maybe I maybe I hate the church. I hate the church. I'm not cool with the church. I've had painful experiences. I don't like it. I love God, but I hate the church." But I really believe that If we're going to be people who say we love Jesus, we need to love what Jesus loves. And he loves the church. He purchased the church with his own blood. And I I have experienced, though, church hurt in the church. Has anybody here ever been hurt in the church? You've experienced pain, misfortunes, and I'm so sorry to hear that. And as a pastor, unfortunately, I have caused a lot of pain in the church as well. It was never my intention or my endeavor, but unfortunately, something my wife and I, we've actually wept about is, man, we don't wanna be people who become the stories of others' hurt experiences in the church. I remember one time I was preaching a message and uh, someone threw a piece of candy on the stage and uh, I don't know what happened to me, but I, I grabbed this piece of candy, and I was a little upset that someone threw it at me while I was preaching because it distracted me. So kind of joking, kind of serious, I took this, like, uh, like piece of gum, hard candy, and I, 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 I pelted it as hard as I could at the person <laughs> while I'm preaching. It hits him in the lip, and he starts to bleed, and I can see it. And I am thinking to myself, I am a horrible pastor. (laughs) I just made someone bleed while preaching the holy, sacred scriptures of our Lord. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> One time I was setting up for a church event, and there was this huge light bridge above the church stage, and I was in charge of actually tearing it down. And there was some protocol that you had to go through so you could safely tear it down. I decided to ignore some of that protocol. And I was in a hurry, and I wanted to get out of the church really fast. I had some plans. And so in a, in a, a hurried panic, I started unsafely dismantling this light bridge, and it began to fall. And these things holding up the the lights, they are really heavy, made out of metal, really heavy, painful, death-causing metal, okay? And this thing began to fall down, and I realized, oh my goodness, everyone's gonna blame me for this. And as I saw it teetering and beginning to fall down, I began to walk away. (laughs) into the distance so nobody would know it was me and it did fall and it hit a 14 year old kid named john banta and he got a concussion (laughs) and had to go to the hospital his church hurt was because of me i remember one time i was uh in a in an environment where we were singing songs and uh i was newly a Christian, learning to follow God. I didn't have all of the, the customs down. I didn't have all the words right. And uh, as people are singing these songs like we were singing, it was a passionate moment where the people of God were clapping and singing and lifting up their hands and saying, Jesus, I surrender. And I remember I saw, saw one of my best friends. He was in the front row worshiping, saying, Lord, I surrender. I, I have my hands up in the air as a sign of surrender. And I, I walked up to him in the front row and I punched him right in the stomach. And he, he keeled over, and he was like, ah, what are you doing? I was angry. <laughs> I was zealous for the Lord. I was kind of a wild person. I didn't know all the etiquette of church growing up. And unfortunately, I caused a lot of church pain for people. And uh, we've all experienced church hurt at some point. Many of us, maybe this is your first church experience. And it's sad when we consider that. The church, a place where we think it's filled with holy people, studying the scripture, worshiping, a place of healing, a place of hope, a place of peace, and yet we can experience pain in the church. You know, growing up not in the church and going to the church, it was such a positive experience. I was like, wow, people are so loving and happy and they're smiling and I love this But I remember I experienced uh, a turning point in my life where I realized that church isn't always a happy place. I I went to Bible school and graduated. And I went to serve a church. And I kind of became an an intern and a pastor at this church. And I remember one of my mentors, who is uh, a pastor at the church as well, and he is the one who brought me to this place, he brought me to this conference, and during the conference, I, I hit it off with one of the speakers on stage. And this speaker, she, she grabbed me and actually publicly started to say, Hey, Pradeep, uh, I, I really believe in you. I feel like God has a strong calling on your life. He has a great plan for you. I think you've been gifted. I think God is going to do amazing things through you. Like, he has an amazing calling on your life. And I'm just so excited to see what God is going to do through you. Like, I think you're smart and talented. I think you have an ability to speak and connect with people. And there are people who are going to be reached for the gospel because God is going to use you. I remember after that conference, I was on top of the world. I was like, wow, God loves me. God has a plan for me. Like, this is amazing. She talked about me publicly in front of everyone. I feel like, I feel so um, confident that God has a plan for me. And I shared this story with my mentor. And uh, in a group of like five people, I'm excited about what this person publicly declared over me. And uh, my mentor, he said, hey, you know what, Pradeepin? I don't think that any of that's going to happen. <laughs> like, you, you just don't have the character. You don't have the integrity. Um, you, you're kind of prideful. And he, he just began to dismantle all these positive words and this confidence and this hope I had and this beautiful plan I felt like God had for me. And that was a really intense church hurt experience for me. And at some point, Many of us go through experiences like that, and it's like, what do you do? Like, these people are supposed to love you and help you and grab you through the hand, and, and they're supposed to, like, push you more into God's plan for your life, and yet those are the people, like, you want to be the most distant from. Church hurt. And I, I didn't really respond to it very, very well at all, and, you know, it was probably about two years before I regularly went to church after that. I actually left church... I was no longer called a pastor. I decided this isn't for me. I'm going to take a break. And in a fit of rage, I moved to Korea and became a university professor <laughs> at the University of Colorado. And I taught English in Korea for about a year and got my master's in education in a grand fit of rage. <laughs> All of us respond to pain differently. And I didn't go to church. I didn't do anything. And I want to be honest, and I know this is kind of a sensitive subject, but you know I, I'm just so honored that you guys are here today with us because I realize that many of us we've had our experiences with church that were less than ideal. Maybe you place trust in a pastor and He said unkind words to you. Or she said unkind words to you like I experienced. Or maybe you tried to connect with people in the church and never felt like you were cool enough or in the in crowd and never found that connection. Maybe someone like, you know, intentionally uh, said negative or uh, gossiping kind of things about you. Or maybe like the the church unnecessarily fired someone and they didn't really address it. And suddenly there's elephants in the room of the church. And you're like, ah! I love God, I love Jesus, but I don't know if the church is for me anymore. It's just, it's too painful, it's too raw, it's too real. I I don't want to be vulnerable anymore because that puts people in a place where they can hurt me. And I I just want to start off by saying, as a pastor, if you've been hurt in the church, by the church, hurt by a pastor, I just want to be the first person to say, hey, as a pastor, I'm so sorry you've experienced that. That was not God's plan for your life. That was not God's plan for the church. I'm so sorry you've gone through that. But I, in this series, want to unveil that the church can be beautiful again for you. The church is God's plan and the hope of the world. And that's one of the reasons why we call this Kalos Church. Kalos is the Greek word, beautiful. Because we really believe that the church can be beautiful, and that God has a plan for you, and that as the body of Christ, as people gather to worship Jesus, this can be a beautiful reality. But it always hasn't been that way for you, maybe. And I'm sorry, and I'm thankful, and I'm grateful that you're here giving the church a chance. I know how intimidating it can be to enter communities like that. We don't take that lightly at all. We don't take that lightly at all. And so I, I realized, like, you know, I was reading this, this survey. It said, it was a Barna survey. And it said 34% of people feel like they stopped going to church because of hurtful experiences that they've experienced. And if that's you. I want to walk you through a journey where we can believe in the beauty of the church again. And so I I just want to kind of address what is the church, and why is it beautiful? And so I want to talk about one of the first instances in scripture that we see the word church mentioned, and it's from Matthew 16, 18. And Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will Build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, the church is not what many might think it is. Many times we think of the church as a building, or the church as a place we can go, or, hey, I'm going to go clean the church, I'm going to go paint the church, But I want to really reintroduce and kind of reform an understanding of what the church is. In fact, the church comes from a Greek word called ekklesia. Everyone say ekklesia. 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 Look at someone to your left and say ekklesia. So the church is not a building. The church is... From the word ekklesia, which has many definitions, but it's most often known as a called out group of people or a people assembled for a specific purpose. So the church, the ekklesia, is all God's people everywhere called out for a specific purpose. Purpose And our purpose is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to make known the beauty of Jesus, to teach everything that Jesus had taught, everything that Jesus had demonstrated, to destroy the works of darkness, to destroy death and replace it with life. So we are all God's people everywhere called out for a specific purpose. That is the ecclesia. It is not a building. So look at someone and say, the church is not a building. And so, <laughs> nice, very good. And this can be kind of awkward because you're going to find yourself saying, hey, I'm going to go to the church. Well, you know, and then you're going to want to correct them. Well, hey, guys, the church is not a building. It's, it's God's people gathered for a specific purpose. And uh, I, I like this reality because in nature, the church is meant to be outward focused. The church is meant to destroy the gates of Hell, the church is meant to make a difference in this world. And I think many of us can be disenfranchised with the church because we kind of see it as a holy huddle, a place where we we just kind of huddle and cuddle, and we hide away from the world, and we don't want to interact with all the evil and all the darkness. But the church isn't just like a garden to be tended. It's an army to be deployed. Our very nature is to destroy the works of darkness. And so we see in Matthew 16, 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will Build my church, this rock being a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, I, I think my wife was telling me the other day that uh, Michaela, I think Michaela is here, uh, she was saying that she likes Kalos because it, it really feels like this is a church that's on mission. It's on mission. And I was like, oh, that is the most amazing compliment ever. Because we desire not to be a place where just Christians kind of gather and hide away from the world, but we want to make a difference in this world. Is there anybody here who wants to make a difference in the world? That you want you're sick and tired of things dividing. Us as a people dividing this nation. You're sick and tired of racism and poverty and all these, these sicknesses ravaging our people. And you're like, I want to be a part of a group that actually acknowledges injustice. I want to be a part of a group that actually makes a difference. Well, that's what the church is all about. And Kayla's church, yes, we have this mission to make known the beauty of Jesus, but we didn't really pick that mission. The mission's always existed since Jesus empowered and built the church. And we have this mentality that, you know, a church just gets together, and we're going to figure out what are we going to do as a church. And the church has a mission. But I want to offer a new idea to you that it's not that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church, okay the church doesn't just have a mission the mission has a church that we've inherited from Jesus that we are a group of God's people everywhere called apart set apart to make a difference in this world to destroy the gates of hell and I'm I'm so proud of our launch team for this reason. How many of you guys are on the launch team here at Kalos Church or are part of the team? Because these people get it. They realize, hey, the church isn't just for me, that we are the church and we exist for the world. The church isn't just for my needs to be met, but I want to make a difference. Did you guys know that these launch team members get here at like the butt crack of dawn? I mean, they're getting here at like 7.15 a.m. Some people earlier at like 6.50. They're driving this huge big box truck at like 6 a.m. that gives everyone a heart attack when you drive that thing. Have you ever driven a big truck? Who here has done that? It is super scary. And not only that, it is stick shift and you have to like double clutch it. I'm not even really sure what that means. And they're doing that at 6 a.m., driving through the hills, driving through the city because they realize the church isn't just to feed my needs alone, but we are the church and we exist for the world and we want to. the gates of darkness. We want to make a difference in this world. The church doesn't just have a mission. The mission has a church and that's what you and I are called to do. And I, I love the church and I realize that many people have been hurt in the church. But I want us to be a people that don't just judge the church by misrepresentations of it, but by the ideal that Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. How many of you guys believe that death does not have to win anymore? Darkness doesn't have to win in this nation anymore. Racism doesn't have to divide us anymore. That the Gates of hell will not prevail against the church that is on the offense, destroying the defensive gates of hell. I love that, and I believe in it, and we're giving our lives to it, and this launch team is giving our lives to it. And if you want to join this team, come on. Go to Kalo's church right after, or go to Crash Course right after service and join us. We'll tell you the story. We'll tell you all the ways you can get involved so we can make a practical difference in this world. I love it. You know, I think the church is beautiful, and maybe I'm a little biased, but my family, as you know, they came from Sri Lanka as refugees escaping a genocide. They're going to commit suicide as a family. And a pastor said, hey, live with me and my family in our trailer home. We will not just pray for you. We will love you in a practical way. And that pastor and their family, they got us a place to live on a church building. On the property. So, my earliest memories were walking around church pews because that's where we lived. And I saw the church say, hey, we're not just gonna pray for you, we're not just gonna give you positive thoughts, but we're gonna make a practical and tangible difference in your life. How many of you guys like music? Guess what? The church was the first group to organize written music in the world. How many of you guys like universities? Education. Who likes education? Can we give a round of applause for education? Who doesn't read so good, though? (laughs) If you like universities, woo! Universities! (laughs) 100 of the 110 original universities in America, guess what? They were started by churches. Who likes that we have orphanages in America? Most of the orphanages... We're started by churches in America. In fact, I was reading USA Today the other day and uh, talking about Hurricane Harvey, there's this uh, guy that was working with FEMA that was one of the organizers to make sure people could be rescued from the water and get on their feet again and have food and supplies to live. And this guy said about 80% of all recovery happens because of nonprofits. And the majority of them are faith-based. Said Greg Forrester, CEO of the National VOAD. The money is raised all raised by individuals who go and serve, raised through corporate connections, raised through church connections. It amounts to billions of dollars worth of disaster recovery assistance, he said. Eighty percent of all the recovery through faith base groups, primarily the church. Isn't that amazing that the church would step up and say, hey, those victims of the hurricane, we're going to help you. Don't you guys want to be a church like that? That actually says, we're going to make a difference. We're going to do something. We're going to have people's backs. We're going to destroy darkness. I love the church. I love music. I love orphanages. I love universities. Can we give it up for universities one more time? (laughs) Woo! I don't know why I'm so passionate about universities. (laughs) But you know, I I just want to say that Jesus loves the church. And in this scripture, he purchased the church with his blood. He purchased it. And I want us to be people who say, Jesus, if you love something, I'm going to love it. Jesus, if you love the church enough to lay down your life to redeem it, hey, I am going to do the same as well. And there, there are analogies in the church. The church is known as God's body. The church is known as God's bride. The church is known as God's flock. And there's a scripture in Ephesians where Jesus even is uh, known to be having a bride. And that bride is the church. In Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, it says, husband, love your wives. And all the wives said amen. And all the wives said amen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish." You know, this is one of the most beautiful imageries we get about the church, because really, God only established two institutions on the earth marriage and the church. And he compares the two. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Jesus loves the church. And I want us to be a people who love the church like he does. We are the bride of Christ as a church. You know, my, my stepbrother just got married in Iowa this last weekend, and I loved it. They, they were at this church building church building. See what I did there? They're at this church building that his great, 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 great grandpa built in Iowa. And we're there, and the bride is beautiful. My brother, he's just so handsome. They're so in love. And, uh, you know, I love my brother. I grew up with him. But could you imagine if I walked up to his bride and him, and they were standing together, and I say, hey, Josiah, I I love you, but I cannot stand your bride. She's not perfect she's ugly, she's miserable, you can do way better, like, you can do way better. Hey, oh, hey, do you need anything help for the ceremony real quick? Sorry, but hey, you can do better than that bride. She is but ugly, like, are you kidding me? Why would you ever marry her? We would think, oh, that's not even thinkable. We would never do that, but we do that with the bride of Christ all the time, Jesus, I I love you. God, God, you're cool, but I I just can't stand the church. I hate the church. Do you know that hurts the heart of God? Jesus bought the church with his blood. He believed in the church because he knew that he would destroy the gates of hell and darkness, that the church is the hope of the world, that Jesus said, hey, I'm putting my hope in the church. This is my plan A, and there's no plan B, that the church was God's idea. The church was God's idea, and in the same way, like how my brother, he would not be super happy if I bashed on his wife. In the same way, we cannot bash on the church without hurting the heart of God, and while I acknowledge many of us have experienced hurts, and I'm I'm just like you. I've been brought to the point of tears and weeping. There was a season of my life where I avoided the church. After being a pastor, for two years I left because I was hurt so deeply and so painfully. But if we're going to love what Jesus loves, we need to love the church. And I realized that. The church is a work in progress, and that's why I like in this passage it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, like cleanse her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present to himself in the future, future a holy church, a church without blemish. We're a work in progress. How many of you guys are a work in progress? You know, there might be a perfect church out there, But I'm gonna be honest with you, as soon as I step into that church, it's not gonna be perfect anymore. Because I I have issues and at Kalos Church, I'm gonna be honest, no perfect people are allowed here. If you're a perfect person, you're not allowed here at Kalos Church because I don't know what to do with you. (laughs) Unless you're Jesus, then you're welcome. Jesus, we want you, you're perfect. (laughs) But the fact is we're filled with broken people and we're a work in progress and this breaks my heart, But at Kiela Church, we're gonna hurt you. At times, we're gonna mess up. And in the same in marriage, this comparison, like I, I married my wife and I, I love her and we made this commitment, but we hurt each other all the time. But I'm committed to her. I love her. I believe it's a beautiful relationship because behind every beautiful thing, there is some pain. And in that pain, we choose to love each other. We choose to stay committed And I I believe that we, as the bride of Christ, need to make a commitment saying, Jesus, we will be your church. We will be committed. We're not going to abandon the church like a father might abandon a family. Because every child, amen, they need a family. But I really believe that every child of God needs the church. And we are God's people everywhere. And if we're going to love what Jesus loves, We need to love the church because we are the hope of the world through Christ, amen? (laughs) That we aren't just a church that exists for ourselves, but we are the church and we exist for the world. And we're a work in progress. And you know, there are wrong reasons to love the church, someone I want to list. Don't love the church because of what it does for you, because sooner or later, it won't do enough. Don't love the church because of a leader. Don't love the church because of me and Amrita. because human leaders are fallible and will let you down. Don't love the church because of a program or a building or activities because all those things get old and band, you guys can come up. Don't love the church because of a certain group of friends because friendships change and people move. But why should you love the church? Love the church because of who shed his blood to obtain the church. Love the church because of who the church belongs to, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Love the church because of who the church worships. Love the church because you love Jesus Christ, amen? (laughs) Love the church because Jesus is worthy and faithful and true. Love the church because Jesus loves the church. Hebrews 10.25 says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawn near. You know, we oftentimes give up on the church because we've experienced hurt and pain. But I want to call all of us to not give up what Jesus purchased with his blood. In the same way in our families, let's not give up because we get in an argument or because someone in our family hurts us in a way. We work through issues. We work through the pain. We are the bride of Christ. And he is building his church. Let's not fight what he is building. Let's partner with Jesus. Let's get on board with the mission. Because the church just doesn't have a mission that we we pick. The mission to destroy the gates of death, to make a difference in this world, to teach people what Jesus taught us, the mission has a church. And that is us. That is us. That is what we are committed to do. And if you've been hurt, yes, I'm sorry. That that really, really pains me as well. I've been there. But we need to be a people who says, Jesus, I will love what you love. I will love what you love. I remember Linda Ho. I don't know if you remember her. She was standing over there earlier. She's amazing. She's part of our launch team. She's in charge of our cafe and connections team. Hey, Linda. I remember when she first gave her life to Jesus, she was in Michigan with us. We were pastors in Michigan like, for the last five years before we moved to, Michigan, or to Washington. And uh, she was going and she would come like you know once a month and then she would come for three weeks in a row and then we wouldn't see her for a while. And I, I actually kind of awkwardly called her up in front of a group of people, which I don't know if it was the most appropriate. But I was like, hey, Linda, we really like you at this church. And I noticed you're not coming very often. And uh, we really love what you bring to the table. You're such an encourager. You're fun to be around. And I I just want to challenge you. Could you be committed to the church? Would you not walk out on this family? Would you be invested in this family? Would you come every single week and serve and not just be a consumer when you feel like it, but be a contributor to this movement? Because we have a mission to accomplish. We really want to make a difference in this world. And it was amazing, but she, she made a commitment, and she showed up, and she started making a huge difference. And so many people were like, man, I love Linda. She showed me the love of Jesus. She was there when I needed a friend. She had a loving um, hug for me when I needed it. And it was because she made herself available. She committed to the church. And uh, how many of you guys know Linda. I mean, isn't she amazing? Aren't you guys glad that she is here serving? Come on, let's give it up for Linda in this place. You know, and she often tells me like, hey, Pastor Pradeep, and that was really awkward that you called me out like that, but I'm really glad that you did because my my life has changed and I've found identity and I've found healing and I've made close friends and best friends and I am part of the church. I am part of this community and I am committed to it. And I I want to talk to you guys, not in a guilting way or, you know, like an obligation, but I, I just want to challenge you guys. Can we be the church together? Can we be committed to the mission? Can we make a difference in this world that needs the church to destroy the gates of death? Can we be the church that makes a tangible difference in the world? Can we be a church that loves people in practical ways, that loves one another as Christ loves us? Can we be the church that doesn't abandon our family when it's painful? That doesn't abandon our family when things get rough, but we say, hey, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. I have your back in the good times and the bad times. Can we be that kind of church? That we would be, like Hebrews says, and not let us neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There are people in this place you need encouragement right now. You need love. And there are other people in this place you have an encouraging word to offer. But this only happens when we're together. You know, there's this quote by a guy named Alan Stibbs, and he says this. It is illogical to say that you are merely part of the worldwide universal church yet refuse to gather with the segment of that universal church that exists in your geographical area it'd be like claiming you have a car when the right fender is in phoenix the engine is in tucson and the wheels are in paradise valley you don't have a car you have the beginning of the inventory for a junkyard it just won't function until the pieces are put together my challenge is that we would make a commitment that we would unify under the name of Jesus and be the church that brings hope to the world. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that you would show us why you consider the church beautiful, why it was worth purchasing with your blood. Lord, I pray that even right now, we would say, Jesus, if you love something, I'm gonna love it too. If you're committed to something, if you're building the church, I'm going to build it with you. Jesus, I I will invest my time, my talents, and my treasure. I'll make myself available to build this thing. I'll use the giftings you've given me to build this thing. I will use the money you've given me to build this thing because I want to see what you want. I want to love what you love, and I want to see the gates of Hades destroyed and the name of Jesus lifted up. If you need to renew your commitment to love what God loves, the church, just do that in your own time right now. If you've abandoned the church, if you've let hurt steer you away from what Jesus loves, why don't you just say, Jesus, I'm sorry I've abandoned the thing you're building. But right now, I I choose again to partner with you, to do what you're doing, to say what you're saying, to love what you're loving. amen amen and if you're in this place and you don't know the love of jesus our mission here really the mission that we've inherited the thing that we're gathering as a church for is to make known the beauty of jesus and realize not here not everyone here has experienced the saving hope giving power of jesus and if you're in this place and you're saying i need a fresh start I need to receive forgiveness i need hope i'm walking in death and darkness the gates of hades are all over me and i'm I'm trapped in a cycle of death and darkness you're saying i i need to not live life alone i need to not live life on my own terms anymore because it's not working but i want to give my life to jesus i want to make a decision to follow jesus i want to receive forgiveness i want a fresh start i want to give you an opportunity right now to give your life to jesus and so we can walk through this process with you. So I'm going to ask for us to close our eyes and bow our heads again to make kind of a holy, private moment. But if you're in this place and you're saying, hey, I, I want to make a decision to receive the love and forgiveness of Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want, I want prayer so that I can have a thriving, hope-filled life with Jesus because what I'm not doing isn't working anymore. If that's you in this place, I want you to boldly on the count of three raise your hand so I can pray for you you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, and pray for me. It's awesome. Hands all over the room. You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm so proud of you for saying that. You want to give your life to Jesus. I believe that's the best decision you can ever make. And so I want to lead us in a prayer. You can put these words on the screen. And this thing isn't a magic spell at all. But it's just kind of language so that we can pray all all together. So let's repeat this together. God, all together. God, thank you for loving me. Right now, I choose to follow the ways of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I've made mistakes. Please forgive me and help me turn from my old ways forever amen amen can we give jesus a round of applause in this place that is awesome okay let's church love you guys let's make a difference in this world together let's love the church like jesus loves the church amen amen if you made that